this episode of The Interface, I speak with Raul Gomez, Site Manager for Amphenol ICC's Mexicali facility, which houses both AICC and ABSI business, and is responsible for the mezzanine, high-speed I.O., cables, and backplane manufacturing. We talk about the challenges of overseeing the variety of product builds under his facility. We talk about his time designing a wheeled video conference center for the factory floor to have up-close and personal quality and engineering video calls, almost as though visitors were in the factory with them. We talk about the importance of starting off each day strong to ensure they meet monthly and quarterly goals. We talk about using his industrial engineering background in his current role. We talk about his love of swimming and being outdoors. And we discuss his Desert Island album, book, and movie selections. This is The Interface. So you just finished October. Was it a, another busy month? It, it was. It was. It was actually a, a month that really gave us a good push for, for the year end. Yeah. Um, as you know, in this site, we produce for different groups within a, within Amphenol AICC. Yeah. We produce for high-speed I.O., we produce for mezzanine, and we produce for cable backplanes and backplanes in general. But it was it was a strong finish. I think we 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 delivered the commits and in uh, it, it was good to know that the first month of the end of the year of, <laughs> in the quarter, yeah. it's it's behind and right now focus on November. I want to come back to that in just a second, but uh, just tell us a little bit about your role working for AICC, part of the Mexicali Mexicali facility, and just the the group in general. Yes, my, my role, I'm the site manager for the Amphenol Mexicali site. The site uh, is basically a combination of, of two divisions, AICC and ABSI. About 80% of the, of the site is AICC. And within, within the AICC, we produce and provide products and service for mezzanine, high-speed I.O., and, and backplanes and cable backplanes uh, groups and, and divisions. So we're... we're uh, we're a site that possesses a, a good variety and mix and complexity of, of products. We produce connectors, we produce harnesses for the different groups. And I'm responsible for making sure that we deliver the parts with the quality level that it's specified and required, that we meet our schedule, and that we basically provide uh, the, the profit that is needed for, for the business to grow. So I'm, uh, I'm basically accountable and responsible for, for the site performance. You talked about the variety. There is a lot of variety in those products. I mean, you're talking about a lot of different types of products. It's not like, you know, just slight variations on, on one, say, you know, cylindrical connector. You're talking about a really wide range of technologies, of manufacturing yes. capabilities. How do you keep track of all that? What, that must be quite the challenge. It, it is, it is. But I think it's, it's also related and I believe Amphenol does a, a very good, outstanding job on, on laying out a strategy for, for that. So as far as the site management, we have decided over the years that coming from a site that produce or, or, or was dedicated to producing connectors for backplane connectors, we've been evolving into this site that now produces harnesses and, and cables for cable backplanes. And that by itself could be products that have 2,000, 4,000 connections. Mm -hmm. So we're coming from a connector that could be in 25 wafers to now products that are 4,000 black connections. And we have products that are basically produced in a different environment, which is a, a clean room environment for the optical cables. Yeah. And right now what we have is for each one of those groups, we have a dedicated management leadership 
and execution teams. And that helps us a lot because now when you have the talent, the right talent, the right metrics, the right performance indicators, uh, budget, and as well plans, now it's all about going deep and into the execution part of it. And that's really what the manufacturing is, is, is the execution of, of, uh, of things. And the way we've laid out, I, it, it enables me and it enables my, enables my team to focus on their specific uh, products and technologies, whether it is defining the process, whether it is defining the testing, mm-hmm. training personnel, onboarding of personnel, and, and basically all the manufacturing and sustainability that comes along with building a, a, a successful product. Yeah, because I can imagine with the wide breadth of technologies and manufacturing capabilities that you have, and you being uh, the one overseeing all of this, you it's it's almost impossible for you to be an expert on on these things, especially all of them. I mean, you just it's just impossible. But you put together the right team that you do have experts in their particular field, and you just manage to that and make sure that they meet those expectations. I mean, that's really your job in this. It's not so much to be you know the uh, master of these things, but you should just you're the pivot person, right? No, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you said it well, basically about my, my responsibility and my job also is to focus on getting the right talent, the right people and develop the people to get to that, to that level by having leaders on each one of the, of the businesses and having technical skills on each one of those businesses. Then you, you rely on a manufacturing process that have the people dedicated for whether it is electrical testing, signal integrity, pressing, laser weld, hot bar weld. We have experts on each one of those disciplines. And and that's basically what, I mean, from my standpoint, I oversee that we have the right teams. We're focused on the right, on the right uh, metrics and and the right plans. And the execution basically relies on on the team, which we do have not, we do have an awesome team that focusing focuses on that part of it. The Amphenol divisions that you then deal with in the U.S. that are that are largely headquartering the design team and the engineering team. Um, which which are those divisions do you work with? Oh, we within the AICC uh, yeah. division. And now I'm work. assuming other countries too, but just uh, you know, you are oh. largely the 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 manufacturing and the assembly of a lot of those products. But uh, as far as dealing with the the design and the, the administration of them. Uh, what are the divisions that you work with out of there? We, we work uh, primarily with Nashua mm-hmm. uh, for what it is, the high-speed I.O., yeah. the backplanes, cable backplane business. And for the mezzanine, we we, provi- we receive and provide support out of the Valley Green, uh, Pennsylvania right. uh, facility. So we interact our engineering, our operations, engineering, quality materials group interact basically with the Nashua and with and with the Valley Green, and as well goes for engineering, which is a it's a very significant important part of our of our product. The engineering support on whether it is designing the product, releasing the product, accepting the product, sustaining engineering customer support. It's it's a joint effort and team effort between Nashville, Mexico and, and Valley Green, Mexico and, and vice versa. I imagine over the last, you know, almost two years, that process sometimes could be difficult, especially to for visits from site to site. Um, but were you still able to manage fairly effectively even doing it remotely 
as far as dealing with the, you know, the Valley Green site and the Nashua sites to, to make sure you guys accomplish what you needed to? I think so. And, and, and definitely it's been, it's been a challenge and primarily last year in the beginning of this year where you, you can do a lot of things via Zoom, via conferences. We even became more creative on recording videos and doing actually live tours, mm-hmm. uh, not, not only for the engineering purposes, but also for customer visits. Yeah. Last year and the beginning of this year, we had basically a group of people now that we design a, a cart with a few cameras to look in a, in a kind of a 360 degree. Oh. And, we were able, and we were able to tour the site same time we had a customer or the engineering groups on the other side of the line of the of the video conference and at that moment we were able just basically to go back to some sort of back to normality in which i'm talking about a process i'm talking about a a, a, an area of opportunity that sometimes is very specific right we're talking about fixtures we're talking about parameters right we're talking about cosmetics visual visual inspections of product visual releases of product and you need to rely on looking things yeah and, and so i think we, we we adapted i think that one of the key words that we all of us learn uh i know everyone around the world did in the last year and a half is how did you adapt to it and, and we started doing a lot of phone calls conferences and zoom calls but we quickly learned that that wasn't going to be enough just given the complexity of the products that we built so we came up with this with this rover that we use for for a couple of customer visits as well for engineering uh, yeah. technical reviews, and it it came out very pretty well. I feel I feel proud of the of the team because we we were able to show that the experts on the U.S. side of the of, of the equation, engineering side of the equation, how things were looking on fixturing on product on on testing, and they were able to provide us a very relevant feedback based on what they were looking at. And actually, we were able to interview people via those conferences, and so it, it was a, it was a fun interaction. Once we once we were able to get in a rhythm, it was fun to do. So it was different, but it was fun, and we adapted. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, as someone who's you know into video production, especially for Amphenol, that this sounds very intriguing. I love the creativity that you guys used to do that. It's almost like a live steady cam rocking around the floor. Yeah just talking to people and looking at things and you can get up close. I, I love the concept. That's great. So you did yeah. it basically live streaming. Yeah, we were doing live streaming and I have a couple of fun stories, short stories on that because I was walking the floor and all of a sudden I receive a text. Hey, how are you doing? Someone from Nash or someone from, yeah. from Val Green. I said, well, I'm doing all right. How about you? Yeah, I'm looking at you. I went like <laughs> What do you mean? I turn around and I saw that on the next line they were record. They had the rover yeah. the cameras, and I just went by and someone saw me. So I just, just uh, walked by and say hello to the guys and, and noticed that there was a group of people basically virtually standing in the middle of our production floor looking at things. So it was fun. A couple of times it happened with one customer as well uh, that he sent me a text saying, "Hey, I just saw you walking by the line," <laughs> and I said where are you at? I said, I didn't realize you were visiting. And he said, no, I'm virtually, oh, now I remember you're a part of the virtual tour and came and say hello to a, to a customer as well. That's great. You have to send me a picture or video of what this thing looks like. I'm intrigued. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a very cool, not so much a very complex design, but I yeah, think yeah. the guys were able, were able to get 
a rover in which they had different angles and a, and a, and a videos. Yeah. And then you, you had a, the, the computer itself in, in it. So I'll, t- I'll send you a pic so you can see how it, it's very simple, but I think the guys adapted it pretty cool. Uh, do, do a patent pending on this now? <laughs> <laughs> not, yet, not yet, but no. Good, good point. <laughs> yeah. Before you send it to me, maybe you just want to, you know, file some paperwork or something so yeah. we don't steal it and you guys don't get credit for it. <laughs> uh, that's, it it's that's all ethanol. <laughs> yeah. We talked at the beginning of this year as we started. So much of our business is on a month to month and a quarter to quarter cadence, and nowhere is that maybe greater felt than at the operational level. How do you just, not so much from a business standpoint, but how do you personally deal with that? Is every month is like this, you know, you get done and you kind of take a deep breath and sigh and go, okay, now we got to do it again. And then the same thing for each quarter. How do you as as the manager of an entire facility, how do you kind of process that mentally? Because that's something a lot of people go through. And we haven't really talked about that a lot on here. Actually, that's a great question. I think everyone must have their own their their own uh, dynamic, right? In in, yeah. in my case, I think I've learned throughout part of my career that definitely emphasize in in Amphenol, and I learned this from from uh, I've heard and learned as well, and continue learning through people like like uh, Bill Doherty, Mark, Mark Sinclair, that hey, a good quarter starts with a good first day, first good week, first month of a quarter. Yeah. So I, I try to picture it that way. And, and it needs to be a balance, right? Because you need to do master scheduling and you you always, we're, I, I mentioned to my team, we're always planning three months. And it's not not that we take a picture of the three months, it's a rolling three month. Mm-hmm. So it's today and three months ahead, tomorrow and three months ahead. So that master scheduling allows you to look at the horizon, right? And, and how we need to accommodate resources, uh, gaps or, or opportunities. But for me, when we finish a month, and to your question, like we finished October, it was uh, over the weekend, month end, yeah. we closed yeah. on Sunday. But November the 1st, yesterday, it was about, hey, all right, so what's the pl- what's, let's go back to the plan of the week and, and let's make sure that we have everything lined up as we discussed a few weeks ago. Are we aligned on this week? Are we aligned today? And then you move forward to the next week and then, all right, so we have, we have November solid. Okay, cool. What about the first week of December? And, and that's, that's how you, you execute. I mean, part of my team and the leadership team as well, going back to the, you need to rely on a team. I, I mentioned to them, listen, I mean, you have a good shift startup at 6 to, 6 to 7 a.m., that means that more than likely you're going to have a good a good shift and more than likely you're going to have a, for a good day and more than likely you're not going to be running around at the end of the week. That's the mindset that, yeah. that you need to operate in, in, in manufacturing. So I guess the simplest way to do it is focus on the day, the first, the first day, the first week, the first month of the quarter and make that punch count. And, and, and then you just continue that exercise throughout. And it's, of course, you need to keep it in balance with the, with the master scheduling that yeah. we do. Yeah, I, I remember that from my product management days back a while ago now, but always hearing things like, you know, uh, if you want to make the year, you need to make the first quarter. And if you want to make the first quarter, you have to make January. So if you don't make January, you're going to be, you know, screwed for the year. I'm like, geez, that's a lot of pressure on January. And then it's, well, if you want to make January, you got to make the first week. And 
It's like, you know, you come back from your you know holiday vacation and you're like, geez, I got to get right to work here. But I, I get your point. I, w- what it's really instilling is this, look, you can't just sit around and take it easy for a few days. It's a, it's a constant sense oh. of urgency and making sure you stay on top of things. And that's really, you know, joking aside, that's really what it's about. It is what it's about. And to, to, to your point, I mean, yesterday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., I invested time on basically telling the groups, hey, good job on this, good job on that, sending out some numbers, talking to some groups on, on the production floor, making sure that the mes- message was received that, hey, good job in October, we need to do this, we need to keep doing this, and we need to correct this. By the time we reach 10 a.m. Monday, then we, we already switched the page. Yeah. We're, we're already talking. I'm, not, I'm no longer talking about October. I'm talking about November. Yeah. And, and, and that's really how you set the pace, right? And, and it's how you plan about it, how you think about it, and how you execute about it. And, and I think execution, it's all about uh, the safety and the quality. And if you focus on the safety and the quality and providing the best you can on that and the processes that you can on the safety and quality side of things, then eventually the, 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 the execution, the, the predictability of the process will, will, will be provided itself. Now, great point. You know, hopefully the success continues for sure um, for you and the team there in Mexicali. So let's, let's go backwards, though. We'll, we'll stop with the present day and talk about a, a young Raul. Did you grow up in Mexico or were you California or, or is it in Mexico? I, I grew up in, in, in Mexico. I, I lived within different places in, in, in within Mexico. I yep. lived in. I, I was born in, in in Baja. I was born in Ensenada, which is uh, oh yeah on the, on the shore. You, you should you yep. should be familiar with. I'm the familiar. Town. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yep. So I was born in I was born in Ensenada. I was raised uh, early years in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Then I was I, we were we moved back to Baja, where I spent most of my my younger years in Mexicali and uh, basically until the age of 17 when I went over college in, in to Monterey Tech in Monterey, Mexico. Mm. Okay, so what were you, what did you study when you went to college? When I went to college, I went through industrial engineering, okay. engineering, bachelor in industrial engineering and systems. What did you want to, like when you were going through high school and a kid and all that, I know you went for industrial engineering, what did you want to, what did you think you were going to be? <laughs> that, that's a that's a very good question. I, I think uh, I, I always wanted to construct things. I, I okay. I've been very I, I have this personality of being very active. Yeah. So I not necessarily I was defined to be an engineer, uh, but I I like to use my hands and build things, and and I, I I like to stay active in that arena. Yeah. I didn't I didn't narrow it to whether I wanted to be in business or engineering or medical school. Uh, but I knew that I wanted to, I like to fix things. I like to build things. I, I like to, to use my hands. So eventually that led me to, actually, I took an exam by the time I was finishing, finishing high school, uh, a test for, for skills. And it just pointed out that I should focus on the engineering side of the equation. Now, how was it in college? Did you like the studies? I, I did. Yeah. I did very much. I enjoyed, I, I, I didn't switch disciplines the discipline that i choose i, I liked it and wow that's uh, that's a rarity yeah i know <laughs> uh, some of my friends that also went to that college they switched disciplines so i know i, I stayed the four and a half years i stayed with the industrial engineering systems uh discipline and i enjoyed enjoyed it a lot uh, you know i think 
the, the part that I enjoy the most is that with industrial engineering, you also look at, at not only the, the mathematical design, mechanical side of things, but mm-hmm. also the, the human systems and the human factor and, and how you work, work the mentality side of the equation in a, in a, in a business. Like, give me so an I, example. Like, what, what would an example of that be? Well, as an example, in, in uh, Mexico, we're trying to improve the attendance. Mm-hmm. More than likely, systems tend to focus on, hey, wh- why is people uh, not coming to work or, or not showing up for work? But when you look at a whole system, it's also about, hey, instead of just focusing on, on the reasons that you don't control, which is outside environment right. of how pe- why people don't show up, why don't, don't you focus on the internal side of the equation, which is what you do control and make the best experience possible, mm. then whoever applies to work with you will enjoy the experience. And that way you end up, you don't compete with anyone else but yourself on providing the best the best uh, environment that, that, that you can. The, the, other, the other piece would be on quality. How do you basically provide the, the, the idea? How do you deploy that idea? How do you provide training? How do you provide certifications? And not only focus on, on, on the hard side of things, which is, hey, make a document, train people and expect the results, but also analyze is, is, the, is the message coming through? Is it the reinforcement good enough? Do we have a recertification? Do we have the right profile? You just look at different angles to to a strategy. Yeah, so it sounds like even though you wouldn't be considered a classic industrial engineer, you certainly apply a lot of those principles that you you learned in college to your current role. Uh, even though it's not exactly what you like, like I said, you wouldn't call it an industrial. You're yourself an right. industrial engineering manager, but you certainly use a lot of those principles. It's true. It is, it is, because industrial engineering, it, it's more than likely you're going to be balancing a production line or you're going to be optimizing productivity and you're going to be getting the best environment within the manufacturing or building a product. But the systems side of, side of the equation is how do you modify the behavior of people wanting to do a better job by understanding their job, by embracing the culture, by enjoying the environment within within the work environment and, and and how do you get in that mindset everyone so you're not only relying on a good line balancing which is fundamentally that's that's key right have sure. a good line balancing but you could have a perfect line balancing not the right mindset or the right team and you're not going to maximize your results you could use the analogy to sports right you could have the best players uh, on exactly. any team in any sport anywhere, whether it's college or professional, but if you don't uh, draw up the right plays and coach them properly, they're just going to be good players with not a lot of direction, um, exactly. and you're not going to be exactly. very successful. So, once you got out of college, then what was what were some of your early jobs before you got to Amphenol? Yeah, so I got out of college. I I worked for a year with General Electric as hmm. a line line engineer. It was basically production supervision and, and, and layouts and line balancing with General Electric in Monterey, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Then I joined Cooper Industries on the light, lighting industry. Okay, yeah. Different roles there from production supervision, quality engineer, warehouse supervisor, mm. production manager, engineering manager, and, and, and so forth. And I was there for a little bit over a decade. Oh, and wow. then I... 
yeah, and then I decided to to join Amphenol in 2010, and, and Amphenol uh, offered me to, to join, and, and I, I liked very much the idea. And um, basically, since then, since then, been been with the with Mexico facility. How did you find Amphenol, or did they find you? Well, it, it, was, it was an interesting experience because by the time I was in Monterey, I, I was responsible for the Monterey site in between 2008 and 2010. Mm-hmm. And the Monterey uh, city environment became very violent mm-hmm. during, those, during those years in Mexico. There was, there was a very heavy environment. And I had a couple of difficult experiences in, in, in that city during that time frame. Right. So my wife and I decided to, to start looking different places. And it was basically, I uploaded my resume and there was a company, uh, a talent company in, in Massachusetts that contacted me. And that's the company that basically connected with, with Amphenol. So it, I think it was a joint effort. I was yeah. looking yeah. And at the same so time, Amphenol was, yeah. was looking for, for leadership in Mexicali. Had you heard of Amphenol before? No. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was the first time I've heard about Amphenol in, in 2010. Yeah. How different is Amphenol from your previous jobs, whether it be GE or Cooper, who you spent a lot of time with? I mean, just from a, an environment or a cultural standpoint. I, I think there's... There are significant differences, and I think Amphenol, it's a very lean business in the, in the sense that Amphenol keeps the business model simple, and it keeps the model simple for each one of its regions, so it enables everyone to execute uh, around their culture, around their talent, and, and uh I like very much when I when I when I learned that Amphenol basically was it was a it's a business model that focuses on revenue and profit. I came from other businesses that that had also this mentality of absorption and hours earning, which yeah. is really something that doesn't translate into profit. And the other difference is the entrepreneurial approach on, on Amphenol. I mean, it's a big business run like a local business. Right. And, and when I, when I started noticing that it just gives you a lot of flexibility to, to implement ideas. And when I mentioned lean is that you don't have this bureaucratic right. apparatus. Uh, and I've been through some of those experiences yeah. in order to make a, in order to make a layout change, you needed to go through 20 signatures. Right. And in Amphenol, you decide what's best for your business, you implement, you're accountable, you're responsible for your results, but that also gives you the flexibility to, to do things and to do improvement. And I think that's really the key difference that I see with Amphenol, being lean, flexible, very focused, regional focus, and it enables you to implement your own ideas mm-hmm. as long as you keep track and focus on what's the target, right, on growing the business. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like you certainly have a good, well, you have plenty of experience now. I mean, 11 years. So that's that's good. And hopefully you continue to grow, expand the capabilities there as well. Let's move away from work now. All right. And okay. uh, when you're not trying to close a month or close a quarter and, and you're at home, uh, what do you like to do in your free time? I like to mainly two things. And it changes throughout the years, right? I mean, the different type of sports that I used to do and the sports I do now, but I like a lot of uh, swimming. I, I like to swim. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do that frequently. 
and I also do uh, trail hiking with with the family. Not not hard trail hiking, but kind of a trail walk and and, and, and outdoor yeah. walk with with the family. So those two things. I like to swim. I like that discipline. Yeah, and I also like to do uh, trail trail walking. Yeah, that's you're certainly in a good area for it too. I'm sure there's plenty oh, of trails. Was. For sure, plenty of trails. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, you you know you know the area of San Diego. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah on both sides of the border, it's for, it's very good uh, to environment to do that outdoor walking. Yeah, although in the middle of the summer, it's probably a, a little tough. Better bring a couple <laughs> bottles of water a, with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It just depends on how you well prepared you go out. But uh, I'm I'm used to it now. So uh, still, you need to be careful. But I, I'm used to to it. So if I then. Uh, took you, Raul, and put you on a desert island by yourself, okay, and okay. said to you, you know, no work, you don't have to worry about finishing a month or a quarter there, and said to you, okay, you could bring three things with you. You can bring one album, one book, and one movie with you, okay? We'll start with the album, or, or musical artist, but I, I like albums. What album would you bring with you? I'll, I'll bring, I think I'll bring the album called Signs by Soda Stereo. This is a Latin rock uh, band. Yeah. Yeah, I will bring that one. The the, the album called Signs, Signs. by Soda Stereo. Okay. What what time period is that? Uh that's 80s, 90s. Yeah, okay. That's the the Argentine Argentinian uh rock band, Spanish rock yeah. band. Very good. Um, okay. I'll have to check it out now. Yeah, Signs by Soda Stereo. Yep. And if you are listening and you want to check out the Desert Island uh, album playlist that we have on uh, I, Apple Music and Spotify, go ahead and listen to that too. It's a shameless promotion there. So I take right. everyone's songs <laughs> and put it on a playlist. Um, all right, so if you have a book that you could bring with you, what book would you bring? I, I, like, I like reading. One of the books that really caught my attention and I enjoy reading from time to time again. It's called The Saint, The Surfer and The CEO. Mm. It, it's a very cool book because it provides you perspective on those three uh, points of views Yeah, by the same, same person traveling through throughout the world and meeting different peoples on, on that, on that type of life. The author is called Robin Sharma. Okay. And that will be the book. I think that I like to keep close. Ah, intriguing. Okay. How about a movie? Just one movie? Just one. This is tough, right? It's tough for anybody. But if you're on a desert island, you're by yourself, you want to kill some time, you know, you're there for longer than a couple days, but less than a few years. Ah, <laughs> does that narrow it down? <laughs> it, it, it does. It does. I think I'll go with, with The Matrix. Oh, okay. The Matrix. Yeah. The first one. The original. Yeah, the first one. The, the blue pill, red pill, blue yeah. pill movie yeah that's excellent well listen yeah. raul thank you very much for agreeing to do this today thanks to tom for the recommendation but uh i really appreciate uh getting to know you a little bit and hopefully hopefully we'll get to meet each other in person uh, sometime yeah. soon as well so thank you again absolutely no thank you for having me chris